The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. As a father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Good evening, everybody, or good evening. Good morning. Sorry. It's cloudy, that's why. And I'm still thinking, I'm still in the vigil mass from last night, so. Well, praise the Lord. Now, as you know, visually, before we dive into these amazing readings on this holy feast of Pentecost, you notice the color has shifted. And so now we're wearing red and just, and we'll relate to the homily, essentially, but also a fun fact. You know, the, the highest members of the church, the, the hierarchy, are the cardinals, they're the they're the, the group of men which the, the Holy Father was chosen from. And they wear red as their uniform. They wear red. And it's a direct relation to why we were red on the Feast of Pentecost. They wear red to signify the depth of which they're called to follow Jesus to the point of shedding their blood. And that's why they wear red, to sacrifice their lives, to proclaim the gospel which is why St. Louis Cardinals, by the way, in the baseball team, because St. Louis was considered the Rome of the West. Because St. Louis is a very Catholic city. I mean, after it named after St. Louis, the holiest, the holiest monarch of France history. And so when they chose the name for the baseball team, the Cardinals, because the bird is named after the Cardinals of the Catholic Church. Hence, the bird, St. Louis, and the connection. And so on the Feast of Pentecost, as we'll see when we dive into these readings, as Jesus launches the church into her mission, Jesus will ask us to follow him all the way. And sometimes that means the shedding of our blood. Hence, now the red. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. <clears throat> So as I mentioned in my prelude to the homily, we're now in the Feast of Pentecost. To kind of set the stage where we are in the liturgical year and in order to, to garner all of the depth and richness of this holy season. And we begin to see the power and it relates directly to us now in our day and age. So in the Feast of Pentecost, that word simply means 50 from the Greek, penta. And what it is, is that we are now 50 days since the Feast of Passover, which we celebrated on Holy Thursday, when Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with the apostles in that pivotal moment when he gives us the instructions to do the Mass. That was on Holy Thursday. 
That was Passover. So as we know what happens the next day after Holy Thursday, Good Friday, when Jesus, we know the story, is betrayed, arrested, and killed. Good Friday. He's dead for three days. And then on Easter Sunday, what do we, what do we celebrate? Boom, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, from the resurrection of Jesus, for the next 40 days, hence is the Easter season for us. That is why I want you to stop saying Happy Easter to everybody that you meet. I know you've been saying it every single time you go to the store and everybody, everybody you meet. I know you've been saying Happy Easter, but now I want you to stop it. Because today marks the end of the Easter season. Remember, as Catholics, we celebrate. We don't just mark a day and then move on. No, we, we, we linger. And so for the next, so our, car, our Lord rises on Easter Sunday. And then for the next 40 days, our Lord has been appearing in his resurrected body to his followers. So that's what he's been doing. He's been revealing himself, prepping his followers for what will soon be the mission, the sending out of Jerusalem. A couple days ago, we celebrated the ascension of our Lord. So our Lord rises on Easter Sunday, 40 days he appears, and then on, 40 days later on the ascension, our Lord ascends back into heaven. This happened outside of Jerusalem, just out there in modern-day Jerusalem. There, there's a chapel there. You can go there to this very day where this event happened. Our Lord gathered with the apostles, and he, before he ascends back into heaven, he says to them, Wait here. And I will send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal all truth to you. The Holy Spirit will empower you to be my witnesses. Wait here. So imagine the apostles that are gathered there. I say, okay, we have to wait here now. Our Lord's been appearing to us. Do you remember how many days they waited in Jerusalem? Hints. This is where the practice of the novena comes from. Remember the novena, what do we do? It's a series of nine days of prayer, isn't it? Why nine? Because when our Lord ascended into the heaven, the apostles in Jerusalem waited nine days. What were they doing for nine days? They were praying. All they did, they just stayed locked in that room Praying, praying, praying. Lord, when will this promise come? When will it happen? And then, now, enter Pentecost. Directly 50 days after the resurrection. Directly nine days after the ascension. As you're gathered in that upper room. And again, you can go to Jerusalem to this very day. The upper room is still there. It's been remade because it was destroyed centuries ago, but we since rebuilt it. It's in the old city of Jerusalem. They were gathered there, and all of a sudden, now, enter the readings that we have. And I want us to look at this not as 21st century Christians, no. Look at this from the perspective of a first century Jew then all of a sudden, everything begins to jump out and the mission becomes absolutely crystallized. 
Pentecost was also a Jewish holiday when every Jew would be in the city of Jerusalem celebrating one of the pivotal moments in their history. It is described that on the Feast of Pentecost, as we heard in the readings, that the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles gathered in the upper room and, and, and with, with, a, with a rushing wind. So imagine a storm, a rushing wind like a storm. And then it said that the apostles appeared as if there was fire upon them. Remember that description, fire. Pentecost, driving wind, fire. Your first century Jew, immediately you recognize this, this looks familiar. Because what happened on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus? Moses is on Mount Sinai. Thousands and thousands of the 12 tribes of Israel are gathered before him. Moses ascends to the mountain. And what happens on the mountain? It describes it. Go back to Genesis or Exodus. There was a driving wind. There was fire on Mount Sinai. As Moses now descends from the clouds from Mount Sinai, what is Moses holding? The commandments. The Ten Commandments. The moral code by which Western civilization would be built. Remember, Western civilization is but a seed at this time. The moral code. How funny. Why would in the encounter of Moses on Mount Sinai, in this driving wind of this fire, God would now give humanity a moral roadmap of how to live? Jump back earlier now to Genesis. Where did it all go wrong for us? When Adam and Eve were given everything, God commanded them, you can have everything in this garden Save one thing, to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they did. From that moment on, what happens is that, and this is the root of all human conflict. This is the root of why you fight with your spouses, why you fight with your kids, why we fight as family members. This is the root why we fight in politics, why nations fight one another. This is, this is the source right here in Genesis. Why? Because what happens in Genesis is that now, because we've taken the prerogative of what, what is good and evil, I decide, I become the arbiter of truth. I become, in a sense, God now. But what happens when you have millions of gods who are saying what is true and what is evil? Conflict. Because now, if you're trying to stop me from doing something which I think is good for me, what do I have to do? I have to demolish you, don't I? I have to fight you in order to get my way. Look at all geopolitical conflicts in the world. You can sum it up to that. It is one nation imparting its view of what is good upon another nation or another people or another culture. Fighting ensues. And that is true between individuals. Look at your last fight you had with somebody. <laughs> you see it there. What was it? Two people locked in bitter combat because one person has their good, the other person has their view of good, and then what do we do? Boom. <laughs> Conflict. 
that goes all the way back into Genesis. Because one person chooses one path, another wants another. To heal the rift now, Moses goes on Mount Sinai in this, in this fire and in this wind. He holds to humanity. Live like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Don't have any graven images. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your mother and father. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt bear false witness. We know the commandments well. Why does God say all of those things? Because let's be honest here. Because I don't love God the way I should. I don't keep the Sabbath holy as I should. I think lustfully. I adulterize in my heart. I steal. I lie. I don't honor my mother and father as I should. I bear false witness. I steal. I do all of those. I covet my neighbor's wife. I cover my neighbor's goods. My brothers and sisters, we do all of those things. God knows that. And so he lays it out in front of us. He says, no, I know your heart wants to do that. But here are the Ten Commandments. Because what happened in Genesis was that our hearts became deformed. And we started to choose evil rather than good. The heart of every conflict. Now, what happens in Exodus when they receive the Ten Commandments? Did the Jewish people say, oh, finally, now we're going to be holy and we're going to be fantastic. We're going to be great. Oh my gosh, no. The story of the Jewish people are the Jewish people constantly falling, failing, and neglecting God. That is why he sent the prophets constantly to remind them whenever Israel would stray, God would send them prophets, hey, come back. And what happened, they would come back for a little bit, and then they would stray again. And then God would send another prophet, all right, come back, come back. Is that not you and I? We follow the Lord faithfully for a little bit, and then what happens? The world flashes something shiny in front of us, and we go after it like a squirrel. Ooh, shiny, shiny. Right? And then we got to come back. <laughs> come back to the faith again. Nothing is new under the sun in the human condition. Our Lord knows that. The Ten Commandments are an external law, but what is the problem? It's the human heart, which, by the way, this is why our nation, the United States, is a, it's a Judeo-Christian foundation, part of Western civilization. This idea that something's wrong with the human heart is enshrined in our Constitution. The system of what? Checks and balances. In theory, what are the three branches of government supposed to do? Check one another. Why? Because by its very nature, our DNA as a nation is deeply suspicious of too much power in one person. Because it understands from the book of Jeremiah now that the human heart is wicked. And I want to violate the Ten Commandments. Hence now is God's problem. How will he cure the human heart? Hearts. The apostles are now gathered in the upper room. 
Notice what happens next. And looking at it from the perspective of a first century Jew, it said that as they're gathered in the upper room, the apostles, after nine days waiting for the promised advocate and paraclete, the Holy Spirit comes again in wind and in fire. Jesus says now he breathes on them. Ah, first century Jew. That word breathed on them should immediately connected them to the book of Genesis. That word in Hebrew the Lord breathed on the apostles as he gives them the Holy Spirit. That word there is Ruha. Jesus Ruhad into the apostles. When God formed Adam from the dust of the earth, he formed him. He was a lifeless shell at that point. And then the pivotal change. And it was depicted in Michelangelo's beautiful Sistine Chapel image with the two fingers, probably one of the most famous paintings, frescoes in the entire Western world, the two fingers of God. What that signifies is that God at that moment instills his ruha into Adam. The very life force, the spirit of God. That word that God infuses the breath of life into Adam is that same word that God instills on the apostles. And the message became utterly clear. God has come to restore us to true life. You see, we had lost that life in the Garden of Eden. And we have lost it ever since because each of us have wicked hearts and we keep choosing the bad. then now God restores and he cures the human heart. When the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles in Pentecost, Jesus launched us on mission. From that moment on, the 12 disciples had a new name. They became the apostles. That word apostles in Greek is apostoloos which means those who are sent out into the world. When the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles in the upper room on Pentecost, the mission of the church ensued. We are called now the mission as Christians. Now the Holy Spirit has been given to each of us is to go out into the whole world now and to proclaim the good news of Christianity. Oh, my brothers and sisters, that happened 2,000 years ago. It is now 2021. We are now 2 billion Christians on earth. We have bit this massive edifice of Western civilization. All of this now, we hearken back to that moment when that Holy Spirit descended upon them. In order to cure the human heart and to lead us back where we truly belong, with our Lord into heaven. Today is the birthday of the church. And you and I are called because this path that we're called to now is not an easy one. Never forget that Christianity is not easy when you live it well because it will require you and I to die to ourself. You know that wicked heart that we have? I must say no to that. Which desires not to put God first, which desires to lust, which desires to steal, to covet, to not honor you, to be selfish. That human heart which we all have and I'm, what I'm called to say, I said, die, wicked heart of mine. 
And remember the Holy Spirit that courses through you now. And you feel this man, and I'll end here on, a, on this marvelous note. When you feel as if your weakness is too strong or if, or if the enemies are too strong or, or overpowering, remember the church. We are 2,000 years old, the oldest institution in the Western world. We have survived the Roman Empire. We have survived the barbarian invasions. We have survived the collapse of civilization. We have survived communism. We have survived fascism. Is it because we're intelligent or strong or no? It's because now the Holy Spirit lives in us. And look, 2,000 years later, we're still here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.